The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. A serious legal blow to one of Allergan's blockbuster drugs, a federal judge has invalidated Allergan's patents for one of its best-selling drugs, Restasis. Judge William Bryson also criticized Allergan's novel and controversial deal with the St. Regis Mohawk tribe to take advantage of the tribe's sovereign immunity to game the system. Mylan and Teva Pharmaceutical are seeking to sell generic versions of Restasis, but they don't have regulatory approval yet. The skyrocketing costs of prescription drugs are part of the health care debate. On Monday, President Trump said the drug companies were getting away with murder. The same exact pill from the same company, the same box, same everything, is a tiny fraction of what it costs in the United States. We are going to get drug prices, prescription drug prices, way down because the world has taken advantage of us. Allergan is appealing the decision. Joining us are Michael Carrier, professor at Rutgers University Law School, and Ode Gerspacher, Bloomberg News senior litigation analyst. Ode, tell us about Judge Bryson's decision on the patents. Okay, so there there were really two decisions yesterday that came down. Um, One on the patents, invalidating uh, all of them. So that really clears the way for generics. And the other was the decision uh, to actually join the tribe to the lawsuit. Could Could you explain what the decision was based on? The, the tribe decision? No, the decision on the patents. Oh, on the patents. I'm sorry. Um, so the the patents were invalidated for um, what we call obviousness in patent law. And that just means that the judge found that prior to Allergan filing these patent applications that eventually became patents, the, the invention had already been um, uh, made or discovered or written about in different pieces of literature. Mike, tell us about the other decision. Uh, so so um, the, he could have stopped, I guess, with the one decision that Ode was just talking about, invalidating the patents. But he also wrote something separate that talked about what he called a ploy to transfer the, the patents to a Native American tribe. Tell us a little bit about that issue, if you would. So that question was whether or not Allergan's motion would be granted to join a party, to join the tribe to the lawsuit. At the end of the day, the court said yes, because it wasn't willing to take the chance that by not joining the tribe, eventually the decision could be thrown out if the tribe really did play a role, a valid role in this transaction. So the court was really being conservative in saying there's a chance that the tribe could play a role, so I will allow them to join the case. But in doing that, the judge was as clear as I have ever seen in a court opinion that this is basically a sham transaction, and there was tons of language that made that clear. Judge Bryson said, in reality, it's paid the tribe to allow Allergan to purchase or perhaps more precisely to rent the tribe's sovereign immunity in order to defeat the pending IPR proceedings in the PTO. So, Ode, tell us about the IPR proceedings, what they are, and why Allergan was so anxious to have the tribe in that part of it. So the IPRs are a fairly new proceeding um, that 
I can invalidate a patent outside of the court. It's really just the patent office rethinking its decision of granting a patent. Um, and we've seen this, especially in the pharmaceutical industry. We've had that as an issue for the last couple of years. And it's it's easier to actually invalidate patents at that level than it is in court for various reasons. Um, and there is an interplay between the two so that if the uh, patent office invalidates a patent and that actually you know, survives on appeal and the patent is validated, then it is no longer at play in the court and then vice versa. If this this decision stands and then it actually stands on appeal, then that will actually be binding. So Mike, why why would uh, Allergan want to transfer the patent to the the, uh, St. Regis tribe? Uh, what, What did that do that let them get out from under or try to get out from under the IPR proceeding? The primary reason is that it allows them to make an argument that they are now immune from having their patents challenged. Sovereign immunity is a doctrine that goes back centuries, and the reason is that states historically were not able to be sued. Tribal sovereign immunity is a little different. It doesn't have the same exact basis. But the point here is that Allergan was trying to transfer the patent to the Native American tribe so that the tribe would be immune, so if generics were challenging the patents at the patent office, then they can say, you're out of luck, the game's over, because we are immune from suit. We're talking about a judge invalidating the patents covering Allergan's top-selling eye drug, Restasis, with Michael Carrier, professor at Rutgers University Law School, and Ode Gerspacher, Bloomberg News senior litigation analyst. Michael, there's a two-track review process going on by the district court, the federal courts there, and the patent trial and appeal board, and different standards. And so many patents have been invalidated by the patent trial and appeal board that it's been called a death squad. And that was first coined by uh, the former chief judge of the Court of Appeals, uh, which oversees the patent disputes in the country, Randall Rader. So explain the different legal standards and why the double track. So there are different standards in what you need to show to show that the patent is not valid. So in the patent office, in particular in front of what's known as PTAB, the appellate board, you have to show by a preponderance of the evidence, in other words, 51%, that the patent should not have been granted. In contrast, in federal court, it's a higher standard. You have to show by clear and convincing evidence that the patent should not have been granted. And so you see with that difference that it's possible for a patent to be overturned at the patent office proceeding while still not being overturned in federal court. So many patentees say that it is a death squad and these patents never survive. On the other hand, many patents should not have been issued in the first place. Patent examiners have a very short period of time to look at these, so maybe this is the right answer, what the TTAB is doing. And, oh, just so we're clear on on how that all applies to Allergan. Allergan has has this case in district court where we had the ruling this week, and it's got a proceeding at PTAB. To, To preserve its patents on this drug, does Allergan have to win both of those cases? So to preserve it, Allergan has to win on appeal. Um, The patent trial and appeal board decisions and the district court decisions all get um, moved up to the Federal Circuit Court of Appeals, which makes the decision pretty much um, final decision unless it goes to the Supreme Court. So as it stands right now, the patents are invalidated by the court, which um, will 
will get appealed or have, has been appealed. When that decision comes down, if they're upheld, then we can look back at the IPR and see if it gets invalidated there. But if if um, if that if Allegan doesn't succeed on appeal, then they're invalidated, and the IPRs really don't matter. Michael, can you talk a little bit about how difficult it is to make a drug like this into a generic? In other words, how long it would take before Myelin and Teva could actually get a generic on the market? So one of the difficulties here is that there are shifting standards. So initially, there was a patent that covered restasis. It was granted a couple of decades ago, and it expired in 2014. And then Allergan got a second wave of patents. And so that wave of patents has been keeping the generics off the market. The generics also need FDA approval. That second wave of patents was what was just invalidated by the district court yesterday. But still, the generic has to get FDA approval. And that process could take a couple of years. And so even though the patents were invalidated, generics are not about to enter the market immediately. Oh, one of the other um, perhaps confusing, perhaps intriguing aspects of this case is that the judge in in the district court, uh, Judge Bryson, is actually a judge on that federal appeals court that handles patent cases, but he was uh, sitting uh, by designation in this at the district court level. Tell us a little bit about him and whether his opinion on the subject of the Native American tribe might be influential with his colleagues on the federal circuit. Yes, I mean it's very interesting um, that a federal circuit judge would come would have this decision. Um, I definitely think that that also contributed to the length of the um, opinion on on the motion. Allergan um, um, got granted eventually, adding the tribe. You know, he he pretty much lays out the argument for the the PTAB, and eventually that that decision will get reviewed by the federal circuit. So I, I definitely think that. He is one who knows patent law. I mean, he's on the court that reviews all patent decisions, and that will definitely um, influence the court. Michael, the uh, in June, the Supreme Court agreed to take a case to determine if uh, these PTAB reviews are constitutional. Tell us a little bit about that and where you see that going, or how you see that going. So Allergan said that they don't want to be subject to double jeopardy by having their patents scrutinized not only in the courts, but at PTAB as well. Double jeopardy doesn't really apply here. It's more of a criminal concept. But they are saying that it's not fair for the patent office to overturn patents, that that's something for the courts to do. I don't think that argument will be effective at the Supreme Court later this year. And the reason is that Patents don't fall from the sky. There's no natural right to patents. They're created by Congress, and Congress can create the mechanism by which patents can be reviewed. And for several decades, Congress has said that patents can be reviewed by the patent office in these proceedings. After the American Vents Act in 2011, the form of the proceedings changed a bit, but nonetheless, it's still Congress saying, hey, patent office, take a second look at these things. Maybe you didn't get it right the first time. Litigation is so expensive, so, so long, that a second look is fine. And so I think that's what the Supreme Court will say, that this is constitutional. Oh, only about 30 seconds, but weigh in on the Supreme Court case. How significant is that in the world of patent law? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree, actually, with Michael, because we've had these kinds of proceedings uh, already, right? We have reexaminations. We've had different iterations of this. This is just a new iteration. So I, I agree with that. 
I want to thank you both for being on Bloomberg Law. It's a really interesting case in so many facets. We could go on for a long time. That's Odger Spacker. She's a Bloomberg News senior litigation analyst. And Michael Carrier, he's a professor at Rutgers University Law School. Coming up, we're going to be talking about Colin Kaepernick, who started the national anthem protests that are now causing such controversy in the NFL that the owners are going to be discussing them at their meetings today and tomorrow. Now he's filed a grievance accusing the NFL of colluding to keep him out of the league because of that national anthem protest, but he faces a really tough legal hurdle. We're going to be discussing that hurdle coming up. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.